We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And joining me this evening is the man that should be our co-host, but was relegated to friend of the pod status by a greedy employer, uh, KP, also known as Kyle Posey. As you can see, I'm never going to stop taking those shots. How you doing, bro? Petty. I love it, man. <laughs> I'm doing great. Glad that we still get to talk about football, actual football, and not, you know, hypotheticals like, what are the 49ers going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason? Who are they going to sign in free agency? So it's cool, man, that we get to live live another week without that. I know, man. But right when you say that, I just like was flooded with all the times I'm going to have to talk about just that thing. Oh, it's coming. This offseason, man. It's like a storm, storm clouds off in the distance. And you're like, traveling across the country as settlers have you uh have you seen 1886 no i have not have you heard of it should i no i have, I live in my own little world so so i'm assuming you've heard of yellowstone yes okay i don't know have you watched it i have not okay amazing show outstanding incredible have been there. um very good but it, it basically revolves around uh you know uh kevin costner plays a rancher that owns this a huge amount of land in and what they'll do to protect it um well, 1886 is a pre- Yellowstone was so good that they made a prequel called 1886 that takes place like, you know, generations down his family line when they first moved to the United States and well, what was the United States and uh, and like are set, moving across the country. It's hella good, man. It's got a what's his name? Samuel. The guy with the mustache. It's like the manliest man on earth. Jackson. No, Samuel Jackson. I mean, obviously, he's, he's a manly guy, too. What's his name? Um Everybody's yelling into the speakers right now, telling me who it is. And I On just Yellowstone. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Oh, okay. With the with the big gray mustache. It's got... Yep, yep. got the gray hair. Right, right. Um, the country singer and his wife, Faith Hill, and is it Tim McGraw? It is. is that, 
Are they married? Okay, yeah. But they were, you wouldn't anyway. think those two being in a show would be like hella good acting, but it's hella good acting. Like it's like you just wouldn't expect. Anyways, it's we're on the podcast leading up to the NFC Championship game and we're talking about Cowboys and Yellowstone and stuff like that. So I apologize. Um what we should be talking about is the fact that everyone's out there fighting about Jimmy Garoppolo when we should have been fighting about uh Ben Ben Roethlisberger this whole time, right? Mike Singletary, what have you done again? <laughs> I know, man. Where so did that a rumor come popped from? up. Where yeah. did that come from? Do you know where that came from? No, like why now, too? Right. Is it now that Big Ben's a goner? Now that he's retired, we can start leaking some bags? Yeah, he, we can. Uh, he was almost not going to be a Steelers quarterback all of his career. Just weird timing. Yeah, we can open up the uh, the vault of, of forbidden secrets in regards to Ben Roethlisberger's career, which you probably don't want to dig too deeply into no. knowing that guy. <laughs> no, um, you do not. But, I mean, we were talking about it before we hit record. I'm not sure it necessarily makes sense, but the rumor is that Mike Singletary vetoed a trade for then Pittsburgh quarterback, well, still, obviously, retired now, um, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, who was, did we decide he was at, like, the prime of his career? But he was, I don't know if he was, but he was obviously still playing very good. Yeah, that was probably right around when he was at his best. Just, I mean, he had some, he had some good years in his later thirties, but you know, that was when he was still athletic, when he was still mobile, when he could still throw the ball um, without it looking like a balloon coming out, going into the air. So yeah, I'd say so. Right. So it, it, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really care about the rumor. You know, I don't feel the need to dig into it, but it is super random. And it, it would be definitely weird to think that, I mean, it's fair to say that if, if Ben Roethlis, if the 49ers traded for Ben Roethlisberger, he'd probably still be the quarterback. I mean, he was the quarterback in Pittsburgh all this time. Stuff happens, stuff comes up, but the idea that the 49ers are in Mike Singletary vetoed a, a trade for like that, like a stalwart at the quarterback position like that is kind of just funny to think about. Like it how- is because like he he missed he's a quarterback that missed a ton of games throughout his career too. And obviously he was able to persevere through a lot of that. But just looking at some of his seasons, like 2019, when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Big Ben only played in two games that season. So, I mean, you can do that, I'm sure, with a lot of different players. But uh, just just interesting that how, how different this franchise would be, This everything that happened in this organization. Where where were they where would they spend money if they're not spending on Jimmy G now that they have Big Ben locked up in a combo <laughs> right. uh, in a contract? Um, yeah, you can, right. you can go a lot of different ways. Weird, weird, weird. But anyways, obviously, the talk of the town right now, for whatever reason, is – Jimmy Garoppolo and his worthiness to be where he is and his responsibility for where they've gotten. And it's, it's to the point where, I mean, I, everybody's been firing off their takes about it all week and I haven't wanted to partake in that conversation in the slightest. Like I'm assuming you were the same. Yeah. It's not interesting. We've we've done, how many times we've done this before? We're talking about the same thing over and over. What he played, he's been playing the same for like three years now. Right. Where there's no new information. The only thing that's new is who are they playing? When does he do these things during the game? And how does it affect the team? Right. But it he de- he definitely brings out the worst in people because everybody has a certain side. I feel like it's okay to talk about things objectively. Like, you know, there, there are times when he's going to play poorly. There are times when he's going to lead the team down the field in a two-minute drill. Uh, and everything in between that he makes plays that, you know, the receivers are going to drop. Sometimes it's his fault. Sometimes it's not his fault. 
But we we never get that type of nuance on social media, so it's, that's why it's kind of pointless to discuss. Because oh, there's going to be you know a group that's going to tell you he sucks no matter what happens, and then there's going to be a group on the other side that says he wins no matter what happens. So um, a lot's going to be ignored, and that's been the same again every time we talk about this. So why would why would this time be any different? And it hasn't been obviously. Right. Yeah. And the thing I told you that I, that I had written down here before the podcast was like. Jimmy Garoppolo is incredibly inconsistent, and so it's no surprise to me that the opinions of him on social media and in the NFL media are inconsistent. Like, there's just he gives you a little bit of everything. He's got uh, an outstanding jawline. He's got an incredible smile. He can charm anybody, and, and when he steps out of the football field, he has amazing passes that are thrown tremendously. And then he has absolutely horrible passes that are thrown horribly. And it's like you can kind of, depending on the type of person you are and what you want to be in relation to Jimmy Garoppolo, you can latch yourself onto any of that. And really, you know, it's it's whatever. But, I mean, obviously, like I said, it's a little more boring but a little safer for my sanity to just kind of sit back and say Jimmy Garoppolo's good sometimes and he's bad sometimes. And that's all I got for you. You know, sometimes he'll put together – Great, a great four quarters. Sometimes he'll give you two quarters. You just never know. It's almost like a, a random number generator. You just press it, and then whatever number one through four comes out, that's how many good quarters you're going to get from Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's a great way to put it because you like, honestly don't know when and how, but it's going to happen. And again, yeah, if you just press a button, okay, that makes sense. And that's how you'd probably take away most of his performance. Right. And if it gives you the number one, like you're going to get one of four quarters, you know that it's probably going to be the fourth quarter because his play in the first three made him require a game-tying, game-winning drive, and you're usually going to get that from him, which is cool. I mean, it's entertaining, but it's just it, it all makes sense. We've seen it. If it gives you the number two, you know he's probably going to have a good second half. If he, you know threes and fours are a little bit less common, but I think. Crocker said, I think he said it was somebody else's quote, but he had a good, on the last episode, he had a good quote that Jimmy Garoppolo is both the arsonist and the firefighter. Yeah. He uh, he sets fires and he puts them out. You know, if things, the conversation regarding Jimmy Garoppolo would be in, and this is a very obvious statement, would be much different if he was more consistent. He either would be an openly shitty quarterback or he'd be an obviously great quarterback. Uh, but he gives you both, so have what you want. But players sticking up for him doesn't surprise you. He seems like a great dude. Why is that news? I don't know. <laughs> His teammates are standing up for him. Of course. Right. I mean, he probably it, it probably just seems goofy. That you know, the whole thing just seems goofy to me. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has like zero social media presence. He'll like retweet something once every like three months. Right. And, you know, which probably isn't even him. No, probably not. And it's just, it's, it's silly. And, and it's not like players don't need to come to his defense. Like he said it himself. He's like, as long as I got the approval of the dudes in the locker room, then I'm good. And that's really all, all it is to it. And then obviously I talked about you. I talked about this with you before we recorded, but, um, as players defend Jimmy Garoppolo and talks about, the ten, and usually the talking point is the fact that he wins football games. The only thing I can think about is the meme of the guy holding hands with his horrified girlfriend as he stares at another girl walking by because 
as much as those players want to bang the Jimmy Garoppolo drum while he's here, I can guarantee you Trey Lance has shown them all something that they they can't wait to get their hands on, you know, and 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 build with. So it's just funny, man. It's all drama. It reminds me a lot of high school. Yeah, that that's a great way to put it. There's a lot of high school going on here. So Kittle's actually at the podium, and he he actually just said, "I hope Trey's been like a sponge, and he's absorbed past tense everything he could from Jimmy." So, and the reason I bring that up is because like they know, right? <laughs> they know Trey's coming, and Kittle. Like speaking of Kittle, he's had to play DB a lot this season, and that has to get annoying. That has to get tiresome. Um, but yeah, you, they caught they caught practice from him. You know, in that Texans week, I'm sure Jimmy Ward just spoke about how he's he was bombing on the de- uh, the defense. So it it eventually, like sooner than later, obviously, it's going to happen. But we shouldn't be focused. Like, why are we focused on teammate who <laughs> teammate uh-huh. who offense who the offense revolves around said nice things about the person who gives him the ball? Like, yeah, of course, man. Devo's gonna love Jimmy. Give him the freaking ball all the time. I'd love him too. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. I mean, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to look at. It's fun to react to. I mean, I, when I say it's fun to talk about, I mean it's fun to to laugh about. It's not serious conversation at all. It's like I couldn't imagine getting on this podcast and having a serious conversation with somebody about what Jimmy Garoppolo means to this offense because it's like I don't care. <laughs> it's it's not a mystery anymore. We know everything. Jimmy Garoppolo has been in consistently inconsistent for four years now, or at 4.5 or however long he's been with the 49ers. There's nothing new to gleam from any of it. It's just a matter, like you said, it's just a matter of when he does his things <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's the whole deal. That's Man. the whole deal. But so where are we at? I mean, you know this just as well as I do. Where are we at with the team on injuries right now? Really, the only the only one we're really worried about is Trent Williams, right? Yeah, so Trent Williams hasn't practiced all week, but that was probably going to be the case, just knowing what his injury was. Um, he left the locker room on crutches, which was never a good sign. I imagine he's going to be listed as 50-50, like questionable, but it'll probably come down to the game and – you know, this he might not like think about his age. Think about, of course, the team is built for success, but there's no guarantee that they make it back to another NFC championship with Trent Williams. Yes, that doesn't sound like a very smart thing to say, knowing that 2019 just happened and we're here again. But again, the probability, the odds of this happening again are slim. So if I'm Trent Williams, knowing that at this age, at this stage in his career, give me the drugs you gave Jimmy for Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb. Put them in my ankle, and I will be good to go. But other than that, so Ambry Thomas, he practiced in full on Thursday, which is great news for the secondary. And then Jimmy's removed from the injury report. I believe Elijah Mitchell is limited, which again, that um, like he was, he was probably always going to play. They're just going to play safe with him. Right. I don't know if Jeff Wilson's going to play, but he's been more of like a fullback when he plays anyway. He's just like a lead blocker for Debo essentially. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're they're about as healthy as you can ask for, man, and that's that's exactly what you need heading into you know the NFC Championship. What do you think? Like, what does this team have? Let's just be the the devil's advocate here, um, because I, I'm I'm kind of assuming Trent Williams plays too. It's just given the situation. Like, I think that dude would be like, okay, 
hollow out my thigh pad and put the IV in there and run it into one of the veins in my foot uh, with just a constant pain drip because I'm playing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's every just, time I go to the sideline, yeah, <laughs> hook me up, man. Right. I, I just. I mean, he would have to be really messed up to not play, and and I just uh, I don't see it, man. Like, uh, it, uh, I would if he doesn't play. What does that mean for the 49ers? What do they have to do? I mean, is that is that more coming in? Who? I mean, because Tom Compton's already in there. He's kind of a swing guy. He but he's in there for Mike McGlinchey. So what does it even look like if if Trent Williams can't go? Yeah, that's a great question. So if Trent Williams can't go, it's like gulp <laughs> and. Uh, oh, Jimmy gets the ball out fast. So we thought it would be Jalen Moore, but it ended up being Colton McKivitz, who hadn't played this year at all. Right, because Moore was inactive last game, wasn't he? Yeah, so he Shanahan really must have been upset with him. when he, I think he just goofed on a couple plays, and that was that. From then, that's when Tom Compton started to get it, um, to get more and more reps, and then he ended up taking over right tackle full-time. But um, they're probably just more confident that, you know, he doesn't know the plays, and the other guy does. In that sense, you're you're basically putting your offense on the quarterback, not so much the offensive line. But all of what we're saying right now is even more of a reason that Trent Williams is probably going to play because the Rams have one of the best best pass rushes in the NFL. Like you're not going to be able to hide uh, Compton and another backup because remember, like Compton's a backup. He's been playing fine. He's been okay, but he's still a backup. And when he goes against like the best, like the better pass rushers, he looks like a backup, which is what you'd expect. So to have McKivitz and Colton out there, or sorry, Colton McKivitz and Compton out there, that would be, you know, Jimmy one, two, three throw. Jimmy get rid of the ball at 1.5 seconds instead of two seconds. So yeah, right. it would be tough to do that with Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. And of course, Aaron Donald. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's rough. And Von Miller's been been coming on on the last last you know these last few games. He's been like their guy. So he's been good. You know, he looks great. He looks healthy. 
he does. He does. Which is, I mean, he's in the, the latter part of his career, especially at that position. So for him to look how he does right now, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And obviously the, the 49ers don't need a situation where the Rams feel like they can just overlide, overload one side of that offensive line and just tear through it like paper. Because uh, that's rough. Now, you know, is Kyle Shanahan going to be able to you know, adapt to something like that. I, I, I don't doubt it, but at the same time, you're basically, you know, trying to call an offense with one hand behind your back because it, it should just be crippled. You know, anything beyond 10 yards is essentially off the table because Jimmy Garoppolo won't have that much time. So, I mean, it seems obvious, but obviously everybody in that building is hoping Trent Williams is going to play. But I think even if, if we, we really have no idea what they're, prognosis or how optimistic they are about his injury. But even in a world where I think that even if they were super optimistic and he pretty much wasn't hurt and they probably wouldn't have practiced him this week anyways. Yeah. And why, why would you? So it's an ankle injury. The last thing you want to do is be on your ankle. (laughs) It's a sprain. So you want to let it heal. You want to give it as much time. So just practicing and potentially tweaking it, rolling it, just being out there, you never know what could happen. So get off your feet. He's Trent Williams. He doesn't need to practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take as long as you want. It takes 90 minutes. You know, you have to, you have to come up with the inactives 90 minutes before the game. So take up right up to the last second if you need to, um, to see if he can go or not. But I, I imagine again, like you said, He's not missing the NFC Championship, man. Right, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. But all right, so the next obvious, obvious talking point is is everything revolving around the Rams this week. So, without any sort of a any sort of a an angle or a question or anything, what are, just what are your thoughts on the 49ers playing the Rams for a third time uh, this year? Yeah, I think you need to find out why the 49ers own the Rams. Like, why are they having so much success? So we, we talk about their winning streak, which is pretty freaking impressive, but you never really hear why, how, what's going on here. So I think it just comes down to how these teams are built, man. So one team lives with a fullback and tight end on the field. The other team has a lot of light boxes and are content with giving up runs, which is how you end up with a drive of 10 straight runs <laughs> and <laughs> those happen successfully. So just the way that they play offense against their defense, that's a big reason why I think Shanahan and the McVay familiarity is one thing, but Shanahan built the offense. So he's going to know like all the ins and outs, all the counters, all the potential curveballs that McVay is going to have. And he can take those and give them to Demico Ryan and say, Hey, here's probably what he's going to do on this down. Here's probably what he's going to do on the other down. Of course, you know, having Matt Stafford, having Cooper Cup, having Odell Beckham Jr., you're going to make plays. That's inevitable. That's there's nobody denying that. But I think over the course of the game and as we've seen and that's why we've seen the records play out. That's why the 49ers have had their number just because, I mean, the the matchup, the trenches, the trenches, the 49ers defensive line is honestly playing as, as good as you can imagine. I don't think it'd be possible for them to play any better, which is kind of weird to say, but. They the Rams just can't block them. They're not athletic enough to block them. They they're small. They're small and slow. The 49ers are big and fast is the easiest <laughs> way to describe them. And that's why there's so much success. So again, like the secondary, I thought they played really well last time. I thought they played, you know, better than given credit than the numbers would suggest. So you see Cooper Cup having all these numbers, but uh they've it He's happens those pretty much. Week. Yeah, like he and he does that to everybody. I think it's important to, you know, to point that out too. But I feel like 
in the long run, how this is shaped out that, you know, th- that's why the 49ers are having so much success. It's just kind of weird to look at the teams. And I kind of even narrowed it down when I was talking to Crocker earlier in the week. I was like, okay, so if you don't want to focus on the fact that the that the, the 49ers have beaten the Rams six times in a row, you can look at it as like maybe beating the Rams two times in a row, you know, where, because they beat the Matthew Stafford led Rams twice. But even then, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't really coming on yet. Von Miller wasn't, I think he was technically on the team. I think both were technically on the team, but neither of them had really established themselves on the offense and the defense respectively. And, and so, but even then, like the big thing I ended up kind of falling back on, cause I was just, I'm just sitting there trying to quantify it all. Like how do you just continue to beat a team's ass over and over? And it doesn't make it, sense. It, it's, it's just, you would think, especially a team that, yeah, the, the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan know probably what the Rams are, are doing before they do it in a lot of cases, or at least have a very good idea. But the, Sean McVay knows that too, at least to some extent, you know, knows what Kyle Shanahan loves, knows what he hates, you know, and knows what the offense, the the stalwart of the, you know, the foundation of the offense and what he wants to do. And, you know, so you would think that Sean McVay would kind of have that intimate knowledge too, but you go all the way back to like the first time the 49ers played the Rams under Shanahan and McVay. And it was like a slugfest led by Brian Hoyer and uh, Trent Taylor actually caught what should have been the potentially game-winning pass but the dude was called for offensive pass interference at five foot seven and 150 pounds you know so and even going all the way back then when Kyle Shanahan hadn't even hadn't even built his roster yet they hadn't the team wasn't anywhere near they were still kind of you know Kyle Shanahan was still kind of pointing at Sean McVay from across the sideline saying like hey man I'm, I'm coming so it's just smiling by the way it's just a weird dynamic. And, you know, the, what I was going to say earlier is I was talking about what Sean McVay would have to tell that locker room, you know, other than they keep kicking our ass. Let's, let's kick their ass for once. Like, and the, the big thing that I, that I kind of realized was like the 49ers spotted the Rams 17 points last time mm. just by this, painstaking first quarter of mistakes and ineptitude and, and all this stuff and spotted them 17 points and they still lost or, you know, 49ers won ramp. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that's tough to do. <laughs> and it, it's, it's like, so what do you, what do you say if you're Sean McVay? Like, Hey, like let's, let's get even more points and, and, and we'll win. You know, it's, it just seems. Can you even talk? Like, do you talk about it? Do you keep bringing it up? Hey guys, remember the team we're about to, so the team we're about to play, I know they've kicked our ass six times in a row, but don't worry about that. This time we'll be different. I feel like just bringing that up would be bad juju and you don't want to get that in their minds. But again, uh, you can't run from it, right? You can't ignore it because it's, the biggest elephant in the room possible. It's, it's an elephant in a 600 foot square foot apartment room. Like you can't, there's no avoiding it. <laughs> and Oh man, I, I don't, I've never been on that side. I, I couldn't imagine being on that side. I don't know what you would say, but I feel like you just lean on your good players, right? You have Jalen Ramsey, you have Aaron Donald, you have Stafford, Cup, Beckham, like you have a bunch of guys who could you know, potentially overcome this. But other than that, man, <laughs> eventually you got to look in the mirror. Maybe it's on me. Maybe it's on me, the clown running on the field. God, I still cannot get over that he did that. I can't either, man. I can't either. Um, 
Well, and and I say all this, but I still feel like the Rams are a tough matchup for the 49ers. I in no way think the 49ers just have this in the bag. And they, you know, the Rams just camp up with the 49ers. They're not on their level. It's none of that. Like I No, they're in the NFC Championship. Right. Them. I could easily see the Rams winning this game, but it's just it seems like, you know, there's so much history there and so much like just like just random instances of chance and talent and skill that have just built this weird rivalry of beating the same football team six times in a row and beating this team twice, even, even when you're down 17 points. So it's like, you know, you just, you try to quantify it, you try to talk your way through it. And it's it's just hard to understand, you know, and that one of the biggest factors that we kind of have to talk about right off the, the get is the fact that the Rams are, might've done everything possible to keep that place from filling up with 49ers fans and everything we know so far says that it's going to happen again. Like that, just that in and of itself is demoralizing. The fact that you have to put that out before the game is over, before the NFC champ, like leading into the NFC championship in a home game where you are clearly talented, as we just talked about, I just listed all the players and you're you're terrified like you're not just worried you're terrified that again Stafford won't be able to hear himself in the huddle think about that man at home <laughs> yes <laughs> like who who else could say that like obviously the other team in LA but is this an LA thing where uh, they just don't care about their transplant football teams <laughs> well I think I think it's going to be that way for a long time coming and how frustrating must it be to be those owners of the Rams and the Chargers that kicked in? What it wasn't it like over five billion dollars total? Yeah, man, it was a lot of money to build this stadium, and it's being packed full of the other team's fans. You know, Just it, couldn't imagine. Excuse me. It only it only further kind of you know reinforces the fact that you know, especially now that the Raiders have left. And, you know, the Chargers moved. The Rams were gone forever. This, California is, is the 49ers state. And, and it, it especially as long as the 49ers stay relevant and good, it doesn't matter that the Rams and Chargers are going to there. The, are there. The 49ers are going to be the prevalent team. And although it's L.A. and although they've got the Rams there now, the 49ers are still the other team in the NFC Championship. So every fan in L.A. has every even more of a reason to stay a fan and create new fans. So it's it's just like it's got to be an incredibly frustrating position to be in, to be those really, really rich people. You know, sorry for them. I feel so bad for them um, that built that stadium and just have seen it taken over by 49ers fans. Let me get let me get. Let me pull Nick Wagner's tweets up here. He, he got detailed about it. Okay, so he said, Vivid Seats uses an algorithm called Fan Forecast that projects crowd for big events. The model projected 65-35 split in favor of the 49ers versus the Rams on Sunday for the NFC Championship. The numbers can swing a little closer to the game uh, to game time for the home team. They had 60-40 projection for Niners in Week 18. So that's... They have a higher projection than it was in week 18. And you saw that video when Ambry Thomas intercepts that that pass to win the 49ers the game. A roar. 
Like, dude, that was deafening. And it was. That's embarrassing. It was not a play by the Rams. (laughs) (laughs) And then Nick Wagner's second tweet says a StubHub rep tells me Sunday's 49ers Rams game is trending toward being the number one best selling playoff game in StubHub history, not including the Super Bowl. So 77% of the buyers are coming from California. And of those fans, 43% of tickets sold from NorCal. That number was 20% for week 18. Now, the big probably culprit behind why those numbers climbed was it, at the start of things, the Rams on through Ticketmaster restricted all tickets to the greater Los Angeles area. So if you bought a ticket and on your billing address, which you can change very easily, by the way, um, <laughs> on your know that? address, if it didn't say from the greater Los Angeles area, you were automatically refunded. So, one of the big workarounds for that is use PayPal because PayPal hides that stuff from the purchaser. And the number sec, the second workaround is to go to like a place called StubHub. So, but the, I, you know, and I'm sure that's driving up some of the StubHub numbers, but at the same time, the fact that the StubHub numbers are more than double what they were before the week 18 game is, it could be ridiculous. And Maybe the Rams might be realizing if it really is going to be that way, that they made a mistake and they shined a little bit of a spotlight on their problem and made it more so. Human beings are dicks. The moment they see a vulnerability, they're going to like exploit it. It's like natural selection. It's just the way we work. And I mean, it would just, it'll be hilarious if that place is like 70, 30, bro. I feel like. 49ers fans amplify the humans are dicks thing. (laughs) Right, right. Because. Uh, the minute that came out, and that's why we've seen, you know, people. Say, I think TickPick said the this is the most expensive NFC Championship that they've ever tracked. So, Man. <laughs> <laughs> think about every interaction with 49ers Twitter, and think about telling them, "Hey, you know what? You can't have this." Oh yeah, you will never get this. <laughs> sure enough, here we are, man. Four or five days later. And now the Rams, like they're going to be outnumbered in their own home at a playoff game, but which isn't really surprising, but that doesn't make it any less funny. And it's difficult. Like it's just hard to be out, you know, and not only are they outnumbered now, but they're outnumbered by a bunch of fans who bought expensive tickets, knowing the, the, the stadium did not want them to have those tickets. So just imagine the attitude that those fans are going to be walking around the stadium with. Like it, it sounds hyperbolous. It sounds like grandiose, like, but I guarantee you that those fans are just going to be assholes the entire game, knowing that they essentially shouldn't be there or were trying to be, kept out of there and and they're not, you know, and, and plus the amount of money they spent on a ticket just means they have the right to be however they want to be. So they're going to be unbearable, man. It is. It's going to be hilarious. And Matthew Stafford's wife is going to be so upset. <laughs> Should have got her on the pie, baby. Let know, her talk man. about it. <laughs> just ambush her, call it, just say it was a Rams podcast and then just. Oh my goodness. That's funny. So um, what else do I got on here? What do you think? I mean, did you see that Sean McVay was asked if if Kyle owns him or if Kyle's in his head? <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? What what did what do you expect these guys to say to these questions? I think is yeah, he every night 
I'm up late. I I can't stand it. I hate it that he's in my head. The guy that I worked with for so many years. Come on, man. I think again, it's just a matchup thing. That's all. We can we can leave it at that. We don't have to go over the top with everything. Just bizarre questions. So imagine now next week if the 49ers win. The questions Kyle Shanahan. Are you still thinking about the last Super Bowl against the Chiefs? Are we gonna get some stupid questions like that? You know what it reminds me of, and this is going going way, way, way back. Is in uh, uh, in have you seen Half Baked? Oh yeah. Remember uh, Kenny when he goes to prison and he's got that picture of Nasty Nate up in his <laughs> prison cell, and he's and he's like and he's like six 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 Mark of the Beast, and he's crossing him out, and he's and I I, I always watched that. I was like, why do you even have a picture of him up in your own prison cell? And that to me reminds me of like when a when a reporter asks Sean McVay if Kyle Shanahan is in his head, it's like Kyle Shanahan's got a picture of Kyle Shanahan in his room. And he sits there and crosses it out and writes six 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 on it every evening, uh, because Kyle Shanahan is is in his head. And then you got the, then you got the explain the body bag thing, bro. Explain it to him. Explain it to him. So, Kittle said it was going to be like a body bag type of game, but he didn't mean. And this was the last time before this, the last time these two teams played. He didn't mean it like the 49ers were going to put the Rams in a body bag. So during the game. He, Kittle said that the Rams players were like, oh, how about this body bag game now? Like, as they were winning, obviously. And he was he was looking around like, Kittle said he was looking around like, what are you talking about? I didn't mean it like that at all. What are you saying? Which is a very social media in this social media age, just to, you know, take something you heard, think they meant something. And, of course, it did not mean the thing that you thought it did because <laughs> interpreting things on the internet is not easy. So, here we are, again, going through this. Why I do <laughs> don't know but again <laughs> it doesn't make it any less hilarious and i think like that's what we need to focus on the funny thing too is you know george kittle's personality and and how sarcastic and and like snide he is so it's probably so funny for him to just sit there and watch an entire team you know unravel at the seams over a comment that they couldn't even interpret correctly from the beginning <laughs> And they had it interpreted correctly at the game. They were talking shit to George Kittle about it. And George Kittle was like, eh, there's still a lot of time up there, boys. They lost the game. And now they still haven't let go of the quote. And it's permeated into the coaching staff. And now they're misinterpreting it. And they're like, George Kittle, put us in a body bag. Uh, that last game, we better we better figure it out this time. It's just like, it's like some Milton from Simpsons shit, you know? Grasping like, at straws. They have nothing else to talk about. And this is, again, they're, they're probably searching for bulletin board material just to find a way to get over the hump, find a way to take their guys to another level because whatever they've done the last six times <laughs> hasn't worked. So I, I guess I understand it, but it's just a weird angle, if this is their angle anyway. It is. It is. And, and, and what's funny, too, is – you know, you think about this game and you're like, okay, the last time they played, it came down to, you know, a mistake in overtime to get it to the 49ers. Well, when the 49ers played them earlier in the season and they were in their much worse shape, they kicked the shit out of the Rams. So it's like, you know, you it's not a lock to be the type of game that we saw in week 18. Now, at the same time, you know, that is a more realistic and current reincarnation of the Rams. The Rams are playing very, very good football right now. Watching that um, divisional game unfold between them and the Bucks, I was like, man, I think I'd rather play the Bucs right now. The Bucs just manage 
to miracle their way in this, into this game. And they almost did. I think I'd rather play them right now because they just, they just didn't seem like they really had it. Whereas the Rams and, and, you know, another thing they have to worry about now is they were up 17 on the 49ers. They lost that game. What were they up on the bucks before they almost gave it away? Like 24. Yeah, it wasn't, that game didn't feel close at all, but then they just threw up all over themselves and right. went out of their way to blow that one. So you've managed to almost implode once and then almost implode twice in a matter of three games. So, and I don't remember who, who was their game before that. Who was their wild card game? The oh the Cardinals, Rams? yeah, they and they dominated, Kingsbury, which doesn't really count, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the sad thing for Cliff Kingsbury now is he has a a solid, referenceable resume of shitting the bed in the latter half of the seasons every year. Like going all the way back to well into his college coach, and that sucks because that's Every like single year. <laughs> that's like the owner has to be looking at and goes like, "This is not like, this is not a reputation or this is not a, a stereotype. This is reality. Like, this is his performance. So I got to start looking at other options. He's gonna Only sit there, there and, and just call Sean Payton once a week until he's done doing free, whatever he's doing free. in retirement because. Cliff Kingsbury is not it. And if and he's going to take Kyler Murray down with him if they're not careful. Probably, man. Jeez. Yeah, I, Kyler, I like Kyler Murray, too. I Kyler deserves be better. Good. He is 5'8", and he is limited because of that. But he is also a very talented human being. So Right. That interception for a touchdown was hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, body bag nonsense. So what is, I mean, the, we've seen the 49ers. You were talking about this earlier, and I thought it was a good point. What is the formula for the 49ers to beat the Rams? Is it that simple or is it the same formula the, the 49ers have used to beat everybody? No, I mean, their strengths align well with what the Rams do not do well. So when you invest heavily in your defensive line and you have a superstar cornerback in Jalen Ramsey, the odds of you having you just being good over the middle of the field, whether it's linebacker, whether it's slot cornerback, whether it's down the middle in your safeties, like it's going to be slim that you're good there. So sure enough, that's where they hammered the off. Like Kyle Shannon in the second half last game, like his throws were just spamming the middle of the field. Um, and over <laughs> and you say and over. spamming. I just think of Jimmy Garoppolo. Somebody fired off a tweet that said Jimmy Garoppolo plays quarterback. Like he has to look down at the controller to figure out which <laughs> button to press. <laughs> So and good, so, when man. you say spamming the middle of the field, I just picture Jimmy Garoppolo playing Madden, hitting, throwing it to the same receiver every, every play. And essentially, that's what it was because they could have one on one with Juwan Jennings against the Rams, whoever the Rams' fourth cornerback is. And then, because of the Rams are so concerned about Debo Samuel, which why wouldn't you be? They would rush up to the line of scrimmage and jump on the jet motion. And now you have something over the middle of the field, whether it's five, whether it's ten, whether it's fifteen yards. And yeah, it was. It was pretty crazy to see, but what, how the how the 49ers can beat the Rams is far more sustainable than what Stafford was doing, just throwing hero balls down the field, you know, just like blindfolded down the field. So, yeah, I think that and having Ayuk in the slot, having Debo in the slot, having Kittle in the slot against guys who just can't run. They can't keep up with the 49ers guys over the middle of the field too. So um, that mismatch in itself, and then on the other side of the ball, again, the defensive line just – for lack of better words, beating the shit out of you for four quarters is what they've been doing to teams. So that's why we're here. Well, I didn't, it's obviously this is kind of, you know, a little bit after the fact, but just like 
I never got to get your thoughts. What were your thoughts on the Packers game, man? Like, what what was that like for you? That was pretty nuts, man. Just to see a plat to win without scoring an offensive touchdown. Like, I I imagine if we were to go down the rabbit hole and try to find the last team that did that, we wouldn't be able to find what more than how like five teams in forty years. I imagine like you'd have to go back a long way for that to to do that. So with that in mind, um, I. I thought what D'Amico Ryan's did was incredible. And that that's might have earned himself a job right then and there. Seriously. That's what's killing me when when you talk about um like we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and does he deserve this? Does he deserve that? Should he be here? Quarterback wins. No. Let's talk about the court the guy on the other side of the field who called plays and shut down a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let's talk about the defensive line, uh Eric Armstead who's morphed into what you wanted DeForest Buckner to be, by the way. And that might sound like a hot take. That might sound like hyperbole. But it's this not. past, like, 10 games, he's been unreal. Like he, guy, the interior line that he's been playing, no matter what team you go against, they can't block him. <laughs> when you can't – when you when the other team cannot block you, that's usually a good thing. And we should be focused on him. Like, there's so many storylines. I feel like that – that's kind of gone under the rug, but um, the different ways that they were able to win, the, I guess the different role players stepping up. The, I, I love watching the secondary tackle because secondaries don't tackle and the 49ers secondary does tackle. And that is another big reason why they are so successful. So uh, the little angles like that, man, is fun. Seeing, I think Trent Williams playing in the NFC championship is a really dope story because he's had to overcome a lot just like health wise. And going all the way he, back to forever. Yeah, I was gonna say, like it's when when I say health wise, it's like his entire career. Like since right. essentially since his rookie season. At one point so, a doctor told him he wasn't gonna play football again. Yeah, imagine that. And right. this was recently too. It's not like that was a long time ago. So that's that's a really cool story. And then obviously being back in the NFC championship after you were just here in twenty nineteen is cool, but uh there there's so much to take away from that game. And it really comes down to finding different ways to win, winning on the road. Um, after the Packers went out of their way to say, we want this and we want a home playoff game because it, it goes through us. It goes through Lambeau. And, oh, does it? <laughs> does it? Jim Halpert meme? <laughs> does it? Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, to me, that game, especially looking back at it, not really, you know, in a more general thing, it's just like, that's got to just be an absolute massive syringe injection of just confidence for a team to go into a place like that that the other team for the most part is perfectly comfortable in or at least vastly more prepared for it than you are and you know you're talking about Aaron Rodgers the the leading MVP you talk about the or you know the MVP you talk about Devonte Adams the best receiver in the league and just a team that basically after the 2019 NFC championship or whatever you want year you want to call it um, was like, yeah, we, we want this game. We, you know, this it's different playing football out here, bring them to Lambeau where it's, you know, 20 degrees. And then you add in wheelchair wind chill. And that's what we want. And then the 49ers to go in there and one of the weirdest football games I've seen in a long time. So weird. Um, go in there and find a way to win. It, it's unbelievable. You know? And, and that's what I told Crocker too earlier this week. I was like, I was like, if there's one thing I know, you know, 
we obviously know what the 49ers have done to beat the Rams in the past. We know what they probably have to do to beat the Rams this time. Get after Stafford, run the ball kind of thing. And to me, no matter what that is and, and ignoring all of the incredibly detailed ways you can break down the game, I've just learned that I cannot count this 49ers team out against anybody. If they manage to get past the Rams, which I shouldn't even be talking about, and they end up facing something like the Chiefs, which just looked like a fucking lightning, uh, you know, against the Bills. I won't even count them out in that game because we already seen them play that team and, and they surprised us then. It's just, but the, the, the point being is this team is just like impressed me maybe more than any season in, in any Kyle Shanahan season, just given how they started and what they went through and everything that's happened and all the ebbs and flows of the season. Where like the like if you would have asked me 10, 15 weeks ago, you know, if you would have told me that we'd be talking about the 49ers making it to the Super Bowl, I would have just laughed. Like probably pretty hysterically. So it's like they've just impressed me over and over and over and won in so many different ways that there's like they've made it impossible for me to like count them out or, you know, or doubt that they can win a game. So you know, I mean, I have no idea what the score is going to be. I have no idea what the games looks like, but I, I do know that the 49ers have beaten the Rams six times in a row. They beat them twice this year, even though they spotted them 17 points in the second time. And then they just beat the Packers in zero degree weather and didn't even score an offensive touchdown. So I, I have no idea what we're going to see, but I like the 49ers chances. So when you're talking about never counting them out, Eric Armstead kind of talked about how this this season is more special than 2019 because obviously in 2019 they were just they did whatever they wanted to yeah it wasn't even fun I imagine they rolled the ball out and did whatever they wanted to because they were better than you this year just think about it so last game Packers didn't score needed a block punt to win offense looked inept offense turned the ball over. Um, in critical times, fourth and one, interception the goal line. And again, it's not Jimmy's fault because if you watch the first two to three drives, he's putting the ball right where he freaking needs to and the wide receivers are not catching the ball. <laughs> um, game before, uh, offense marches down the field. And then after that, they really don't do anything. Comes down to the final minute and it, it really takes, you know, some epic Cowboys disasters to win that game. Game before, you are down 17 points. You need either a win or the Falcons to beat the Saints. Your season is coming down to relying on Matt Ryan to win. That is not what you want at this stage in his career. Sure enough, you get a couple breaks, the ball bounces your way, and you come back. You just go down the line for some of the games that they've been over to come this season and for some of the losses that they've had too. Like The ups and downs has made this season just so impressive. And yeah, I think I agree with you 100% just that. Whatever happens on Sunday, this was a successful season. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's it last few weeks. It's a couple weeks. You know, I, I felt like they were clearly the better team against Dallas, but it's, it's felt like house money. You know, like they're just doing things that we don't expect them to do at this point. And it's pretty damn impressive. And it, it's been a hell of a ride. And I just appreciate the hell out of the fact that this team is you know, they're just different. They're different. It, it, people started to talk about it on social media, kind of like a team of destiny type stuff. Like you just would not expect this team to be here, right? Like we're talking about the, the team that got worked over by Colt McCoy is now one game away from the Super Bowl. So that's Carson Wentz, man. 
<laughs> That's right, right. And Ryan Tannehill. We just saw what Ryan Tannehill did. Right. That should tell you all you need to know right there, man, that this is just different. And football is not mathematics and you can't predict what's going to happen. And, you know, it has more to do with humans than it does with with playbooks. So um, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. But like I said, it's just I'd be an idiot if I were betting against this 49ers team at this point, even though they're not favored. It, it still just seems crazy to bet against them because it just seems foolish. You have no reason to bet against him because right. everything they've taught that it just seems like and the whole destiny stuff is pretty stupid. I hate that. But when you <laughs> get the type of bounces and when you have the type of fortune that they've had this season, like the football gods are begging them to make the Super Bowl. And sure enough, here they are four quarters away from it, man. And um, I know. Couldn't ask wild, for a wild, wild. wild, wild. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. Oh, always, man. Hopefully, I know, uh, dude. It's uh, nice. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again. And the 49ers are still playing football. Yeah, seriously. If the 49ers get past the Rams and make it to the Super Bowl, I'll make sure you're on here again on the on the lead up because, man, it's going to be exciting. But, hey, all right, folks. Thank you for listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. Thank you for all the support over the years. Just hit episode 200. This is 201. So we it's only fitting that Croc was on 200. And KP was on 201, the uh, the only other people that have co-hosted this podcast. So uh, thank you for getting us to that point. Thank you for all the support. Thanks for all the love on social media after episodes and stuff like that. Appreciate it. Um, but hey, every good thing has to come to an end. And for another week, hopefully I'm coming back to you guys on Sunday evening slash Monday morning with, with just some insane vibes. But... I've been saying that for like four weeks now, and every time in the back of my head, I've wondered if it's going to happen, and it's happened. So let's hope we keep that rolling. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. For another episode, I'm Rob. That's KP. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.